drop, and then we're going to read a bit. But you can read about Nehemiah in the book of Nehemiah from chapter 1 through chapter 7. And Nehemiah at that time was, they'd been, uh, Israel had been taken captive in Babylon, into Persia. And um, at that point in time, um, the Israelites had actually been freed to go back to Jerusalem and they'd built the temple. And Nehemiah was neither a priest nor a prophet. He was a layman. But he was serving as the king's cupbearer, which means every time that the king of Persia in Babylon had wanted a wine or something, Nehemiah would first test it, make sure it wasn't poisoned or anything, and then pass it on to the king. And he gained incredible understanding of the way that the kingdom worked, and he was also very, very close to the king at the time. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. You see him fasting and praying in chapter 1. And through that time, Nehemiah becomes um, incredibly concerned about the state of Jerusalem and what's happened in Judah. And one of his brothers, Hanan or Hanani, comes in and Nehemiah says to him, what is the state? And he says to him, the walls are still destroyed and the gates have been burned and are fallen down. And something in Nehemiah stirs for something back in his hometown to see the walls restored. At that point in time, the temple had actually been rebuilt for the second time, but the walls had not been restored. And so Nehemiah has such a love for Jerusalem that he is emotionally moved to the point where Octaxerxes, who he's serving under, says to him, what's happened? I can see that you're troubled. Something that had never happened to Nehemiah before. And so Nehemiah's heart is moved. But Nehemiah's heart was moved. Why? By God. He allowed himself to be moved by God through prayer and connecting with him. So Nehemiah goes to, to Octoxerxes and he, he gets, gains favor. He receives wood. He gets letters for, for safe passage to go back to Judah and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So Nehemiah, a normal guy, goes as a leader. He's now been formed into a leader as he goes back. But he doesn't go back and start telling people what to do. He takes a few days to do what? He surveys the land and he goes around the wall and he looks at the wall and he looks at the work that needs to be done. In amidst this, after the portion that we're going to read, he has to lead physical labor, there's relational issues, there's extortion of finances, and Nehemiah really raise, gets raised as a leader among God's people. But what I want you to see from this story and what we're going to read now is whenever God wants to do something, he usually finds a man. And so if the man was any greater, Nehemiah was just a man of prayer. And he was a cupbearer to the king. He was nothing greater than you or me. But he allowed his heart to be stirred to something that God wanted to do in another place. And he goes through. Nehemiah saw, though, that the work was too big for him to do. And whenever God wants to do a work, he'll usually stir a man, and the man will go ahead. And then he'll bring a people around him. How similar does that sound to Greenpoint, to Seapoint? Do you know that there was a stir in before any of us knew about it? Where does it start? 
Nehemiah. Do you know that Neil surveyed this land before you and I even knew that Seapoint was being birthed? Knocked on doors, found a venue, Nehemiah. And looked at all the work that was needed to be done and weighed it up. And then what did he do? He started pulling people around him. Nehemiah wasn't a builder. He was a leader. But he had some knowledge. And then he starts to bring people in. And that's where you and I come into it. So I want to read from Nehemiah 3. And this is a bunch of names. So we're going to read it in great difficulty. And many mistakes. And then I'm going to pull your part out of it at the end. It says this. Eliashab, so now they, he's established it, and now they are starting to rebuild the walls under Nehemiah's direction. Eliashab, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep, sheep gate, a priest doing manual labor. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, and they dedicated and as far as the Tower of Hananel. Hananel. The the men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshazabal, made repairs, and next to him, Zadok, son of Barna, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulder to the work under their supervisors. The Jeshana gate was repaired by Joeda, son of Pasea, and Meshulam, son of Besodea. <laughs> they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by the men of Gibeon and Mizpah Melatiah of Gibeon and Jaden. Jadon of something, under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates, Uziel, son of Harbahiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section. And Hananiah, the one of the perfume makers, perfume maker, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rephiah, son of Hur, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jediah, son of Harumaf made repairs opposite his house. And Hatush, son of Hashabaneah, made repairs next to him. Last time, section. Malkajah, son of Harim, and Hash, ha, Hashab, son of, repaired another section in the towers of the ovens. Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of a half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. What do I get out of this? Priests, daughters, goldsmiths, all building the section of wall that was related to them and that Nehemiah gave them to build. With the vision in mind, under a leader, but who was the greater? Everyone who bought his part of the wall. Later you read that they actually had to have building implements in one hand and a sword in the other because of what was coming against them. But if any part of that wall was not built well, what happened? Jerusalem would fall. 
So which part was the most important part? All of it. You know what I love about this is when I read it, I'm reminded of Hebrews 11, the incredible chapter of the men of faith. Yet these men, their names are recorded in the book forever, in God's holy book. Now let me bring it back to you and to me. Your name is recorded in God's holy book forever. And he's given you a portion of the wall to build. That is his church and the work that is to be done. And yes, there might be a leader asking you to do certain things. But I look around and I think with the renovations, you know, when we, some were mopping floors and some were sweeping and some were painting and some were, and then Tim was heading up a section and Morris was overseeing a section and Neil was delegating and yet every part was doing its work. And the walls were rebuilt. Church is not a one-man show or a leadership-only show. It's a every part builds the wall. And if the wall doesn't hold strong, the enemy comes in and he destroys. Can we put up Ephesians 4? My last scripture and then I'm done. It says this, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. To do what? The task at hand, to build his church. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the Nehemiahs, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Can we just go back to that last one? I'm going to end it there. To prepare God's people, the goldsmiths, the priests building the wall. It's the people who do the works of service that the body of Christ is built up. Do the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the prophets, do they build up? No, they equip the people and the people do the work to build the wall. And so this morning, I really feel like the Lord want to say well done. Every single one of you this morning has played a part in your part of the wall, whether it's opposite your house or wherever. And God is building something beautiful. And as much as those men's names are written into Scripture for all eternity, your name is currently being written into Scripture for all eternity. Because one day he'll open a book and he'll say, well done. Where's Isaac? I saw you sweep in the, the ladies' bathroom this morning, mopping it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Your name's written forever. That act of kindness. And so I want to say well done this morning. Kneel for the vision and people for building the wall. Elders, deacons, everyone. You've built your section of the wall. And God loves unity. Um, all three of us are going to try and do a little bit of the same thing from a different angle, so there's going to be overlapping. Mark, stop some of my preach, but it's all right. Um, the Bible says to um, outdo one another in showing honor. 
and it says to encourage and build one another up. And um, so I felt, my, my part, but that I really felt in the Lord, is to encourage Seapoint. Greenpoint, now Seapoint, and that's you. Every one of you. Everyone. Everyone. The new ones, the ones that's coming in a while. But not, not leaving out any one of you. And I think the Lord would want to say, well done. And to honor you for how you've showed up for the Lord this year. And to encourage and build you up that the Lord sees. And I know all of you have showed up for the Lord, even when it's hard. And um, I remember times in my life when all I could do, all I could manage or muster is just to show up. I had nothing more. And I know many of you have had moments like that this year. But you showed up. You showed up for the Lord. And you showed up to come and meet with Him. And you showed up because He wants you to be here. And sometimes you've just done it because He said, you must. And sometimes you've done it just because you know if I show up when He's asking me to be anywhere, I will find Him. I will find grace. And I will leave different. Because I've met Jesus. He's the one that brought me here. And if he brought me here, he'll be here. And by his spirit, he'll encourage you. So I want to say to all of you, well done. For, for everything. For, for all the services. For setup. For loving people. For inviting people. For Wednesdays. For days in between. For looking out for the lost, looking out for those that don't know Jesus, looking out for one another, helping one another, loving one another, praying for each other. That's all Jesus. Jesus said that if you, do, if you even give somebody a cup of water in my name, whatever you've done for anybody in my name, it's as if you've done it for me. And you guys have loved Jesus well this year. You've loved this body well this year. So I'm going to, God willing, sometime in the near share on, on um, John 15 and abiding in Christ. But as you guys have showed up, You've abided in the Lord. And it says at the end of, of that section, it says, as you abide, my Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So as you abiding in the Lord, as you follow Jesus, God will produce fruit in you, in your character, it will make you more like Jesus. Every day that you show up, something will be formed in you of the nature of Christ. 
and the things that will do through you, the, the, the good works that you do. It's like the robes of righteousness one day when we're in heaven with Jesus. It'll be the things that we've done, the way that we've loved. Our, our love has shown itself in the things that we do. And sometimes that is just showing up. And I feel like, I feel like that's more like a word for some of us. That some of us felt like all I could barely do is show up. But I want to encourage you. You're not just showing up to tick a box. You're showing up to meet a person. And the person you show up for, and you scrape courage together, or when you go in obedience to the Lord, you will find him on the way there you will find him, and you will find him there. So keep on showing up. It's such a privilege and an honor to be part of you. Yeah. And if I, just, if I just think of you guys, I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, how amazing are these people? They're like, they're phenomenal, this family of Jesus. It's like, I'm just so proud of them. They're like my blood family. I'm like, oh my goodness, they're amazing. You guys are amazing. I just want to commend you. Thank you. Appreciate it, Lord. <clears throat> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm lost for words for a change. Should we just end it there? No, but really, I'm, I'm a little bit lost because, but I have got some notes, so I'll just, I'll just read a few notes. I, I wanted to say thank you to my wifey, but she's not going to be happy with that. <laughs> but I'm going to do it because you're going to all encourage me to do it, right? There we go. Can't get out of it now, babes. But no, just to say to Taz, like, I, you know, I might spearhead things and run ahead, but it's the back. The, in the background, I do carry a lot of weight, and some, you know, sometimes you guys ask me how you're doing. I think of Isaac and so many of my friends who are really good at just how you brew, how you, and I am good most of the time, and that's not because I'm strong; it's because my Lord is incredibly strong. But also, I have a really strong wife, and because of her, some really two really awesome kids, and because of our unit. Uh, I think when I look back at this year, I'm thinking, how did we, how did we get through this year with so much that's happened, taken on so much? Then each of us have our family things that go on, and we experience tragedy and loss, and we've gone, we've gone through, as a people, we've gone through a lot in our personal lives. Uh, it's incredible, like <laughs> we're still here. Um, but those of us that are, you know, we've got family in one another. Some of us have got family at home. Um, that we can lean into, and I've been able to lean into Taryn, my beautiful wife, in so many ways this year, and I want to thank her just on a personal level and say, well done, babes, for being such a rock uh, for me, and a huge encouragement, and uh, I really, yo, it, it, the second half of this year has been like um, a whole year on its own. I, can't re- I don't know about you guys, but I can't remember Jan to June much at all. I only remember like from this, the new venue. The new seasons felt like a whole season on so the other was like in a distant memory. But um, Mark and Morris took all the good points. Thanks, guys. I agree with everything they've said. And we will always dovetail a little bit. But I think the big testimony, and maybe you guys don't hear it that often, because maybe people will share it with me or people that have come in you know, even over a year ago when Nadine, Nadine Bardenost and the prophetic team were with us, we had that wonderful weekend with them. Many of you got 
prayed over and prophesied over for the first time. Uh, from that moment on, the, the, the regular thread of people that have been amongst you or looked in or even taught here or come to the camp away with us has been this very common thread. And it's like God has put together a very precious and beautiful people. What Maurice ended on is like this gratitude in his heart that he gets to be part of us and part of you. And I carry that same, uh, it's, like a, it's like a wonder what God has put together. And it's not because you're so awesome, because he is so awesome. And you've allowed him in to your life. And therefore, you're also, there's a, there's a, there's a beauty about you uh, because you've allowed him in. And you've been obedient to stay in a family that maybe is more difficult to be part of because many of you come from different parts of the city. And uh, we are a little bit of a, like an eclectic crew, you know, put together from random areas. We're not just a group of friends that have the same things in common, so we stay. This is our congregation because we all, you know, in the lentil curtain and we do things that people in Newhook do. So we're the Newhook congregation, right, Jesse? It would be easy if we all just lived in one area and had the same interests, but we don't. So there's this beauty that is being shown to the outside world, no doubt the unbelievers that look in, but certainly the believers that come and be part of us say, this is something that only God could build. And the word that I'm starting to hear prophetically, and I've been listening to others that have come in, is get ready for the expansion, and get ready for the explosion, and for the seeds that have been sown are beginning to grow, there's going to be a big growth that's about to follow. So in that, um, I want to talk too much into the new year. We'll do that in uh, the weeks and the months to come. But I do want to read a portion of Scripture and pull out one, two, three points, and then we're going to pray for one another so that you can be included because we're all part of this. So start thinking of just allow the Lord to encourage you so that you can encourage someone else at the end of today. That's all we're going to do. Okay. So if you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 12, Verses 3 to 13. So it's 10 verses of chapter 12 of Romans. I didn't give it to Tim, so you can open your phones or your Bibles. Just follow with me from your own hands. So from verse 3 of Romans 12, it goes like this. Paul wrote this to the church. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Verse 4, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then lead well. Take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. Verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring one another. Verse 11. 
Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Guys, verse 11 is in our Bibles. Can I just read that again? One verse. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. There's a nice fridge magnet or bumper sticker. Imagine this one in the back of your car. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord. I've just like put two cuss words on my bumper sticker. Because in the life of the church, we, we think laziness and hard work is not like from the Lord. But we can be lazy, and we are told to work hard in His strength and grace, of course. But <laughs> this is the New Testament. And serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And finally, verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And that last verse, verse 13, I don't know about you, but I've seen what's grown in you guys, is that from a Monday to Sunday, every day of the week, there's all sorts of this going on. And God's people are in need. People are ready to help them. And there's people that are always eager to practice hospitality. I mean, where's Dylan? Dylan is here. Some of you don't even know Dylan. He just, we, I just got a, I didn't even get a WhatsApp. I got like a Facebook messenger from a saint in a church in Hoodsprite, Richards Bay, who are, who's been in our house actually. They had coffee with us once. Alicia and Alicia and da, Darren. Yeah, I mean, I, I know them because they're in Benoni and they're our extended family in Gauteng. And one Facebook messenger resulted in a WhatsApp to Gideon. This man spent about, I don't know, a few weeks in our congregation. Some of you don't even know and haven't met him, but this is the body of Christ. And, you know, the beauty of just knowing that from Monday to Sunday, you guys get on with this kind of thing, showing generosity and love to God's people in the wider church as well as in the local church, whether it's taking someone to the airport, you know, for a business trip, whether it's someone needing a place to stay or a meal. I mean, I think there may have been about four meal rosters going on in the space of the last month for Chad and Karan and their little one, their newborn, Louis and Jess and their newborn. I think Dion and Kim had no kitchen for about a month and there was someone else and someone else. It's like, you know, when we plant a church, those are great value to teach us, let's love people when they're in need. So we put on this meal roster and we try and teach one another to like, you know, go and give a meal to someone in need and we do that for a week, two weeks. I think with the newborn babies, that things sometimes run for three weeks. And the, and the new parents don't have to worry about supper for three weeks because of you, because of God's grace and love in you. These days, it just happens because of you. you know, there's something that as a church you've caught, the people have caught, and there's this love and genuine care and affection and practical help and needs that's happening. And people are playing in their gift zone and in their grace zone. And these things are starting to uh, unfold or have been unfolding and that is beautiful to the Lord and beautiful to us because as a family is all about and it makes a huge impact to unbelievers that don't understand why we live this way and how we do it uh, our neighbors a testimony they got some meals they had a new their first child the people who live next door to us they're not in the church they're not born again believers and they were they received a meal or two and it absolutely they couldn't understand how helpful it was, and why one would do that. And we were able to say, well, this is what we've lived in, and this is what happens in God's family, and it's the norm, and it's, and it's incredible, and we mustn't forget the privilege that we have. So three points out of that that I want to say, that they asked me three things that I would say to Seapoint, to you guys, to this congregation today, 
and it would be taken from verse 3. The first one is humility. What I see is the great humility that's grown amongst you and us as a people. Uh, we're not there yet. Only Moses was there. Could call himself the humble one. But none of us are there. Jesus was the humble one, and he's calling us to be more like him. But I do see humility. And in verse 3, I'll read that again of chapter 12. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, this is Paul. He says, I give you each this warning. So he's warning the church. He says, don't think you're better than you really are, but be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measure yourself by the faith God has given us. And I think that's a beautiful thing for us to carry, is that while he's encouraging us today, and while the Lord is encouraging us as a congregation for where we are now, the warning is also always to never consider ourselves more than we are, and to always constantly live a life of examining where we are. And the measuring stick is what? Jesus our great Lord and his beautiful character and his life of humility. And when we look at him and we gaze at him, like this morning, we see that he's done a work and he's doing a work in us. But we always remember that too much of ourselves, but know who he is and who we are. And it's a beautiful picture of humility. You know, humility is not, um, is not just thinking so little of yourself and being so low and meek all the time. Modesty is different to humility. Modesty can be, Morris is encouraging me for something I've done well, and I just don't receive it. I'm just like, no, you can't, I'm not really that. It's like you, you're modest. But humility is going, thank you, Morris, I received that. I know who I am. Humility is actually knowing who I am in the Lord, which is knowing what I'm, what I'm doing well and growing in, but also knows what my, I also know what my weaknesses are. So I, I, I'm thankful and I'm encouraged when the Lord says, well done, you're doing this great. It's not being proud. It's actually being humble, knowing who you are in the Lord. But then also knowing your weaknesses and that you're not there yet and being humble enough to change and receive correction. So that's the humility that I do see that has developed in you and in us. And it's a beautiful thing. So keep to it. Um, keep, keep going after it. And the way we do this, we keep looking at Jesus to keep us humble. And, um, and he will do that if we allow him to. Number two, uh, verse nine says something really cool. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly what is good. Love that part. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. And I do believe this is something that's grown in this congregation, that there's a real love for others. Are we there yet at where Jesus is in terms of his love? No, of course not. But we can be encouraged that the, we don't, uh, thank you, Maurice, we don't uh, pretend to love others. And certainly that's not something that the Lord has for us, but he wants us really to love others. And when we love in that way, you know what? He will bring the greatest way to evangelize, to reach people with the gospel as well. The church gets this, as Paul has written to the Romans. When the church gets that our love is not pretend love like out there in the world, but it's real love, and that real love begins to be part of who you are, he will bring people into the household. He will bring people into the family. How did we get here? He brought us into the house. He brought us into the family, his family. He brought us along the path of another believer, maybe who shared or gave us an invite. But it's the Lord who adds people. And he will add people to a family that loves really, really well. And when there's no pretend love, it's he's going to do something special in us. So that's the point too. I want to encourage you guys to keep loving and and remain humble, and be open enough to ask one another, how is love going? How is humility going? 
how we're doing in these points because this is what the Lord is breaking out over us and what he's doing in us. And he wants us to keep contending for it as well. And then uh, the last point, number three, is uh, working hard. But what, where is that scripture now? Let me get the, the verse, chapter 12, verse 11. There it is. And verse 11 goes like this to recap. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. So this has been a, a hard work year. Uh, we haven't been able to be lazy at any point, which is a good thing. Because if you give yourself space to be lazy, we generally will probably drift and slide into laziness because that's how we are in our, in our nature. But in the Lord, we can work a place of uh, enthusiasm and we can work hard without the words working hard sounding like they come from the world, you know. These are not kingdom words. that They're actually Bible words, which means they're God's words, which means in His kingdom, in His economy, there's hard work. But the difference with his work is that he sustains us and he gives us the grace and the abundance to do it. And he says, do it enthusiastically. Well, how do I do that? Well, I find your face, Lord, and I find your grace, and I find my purpose for life, and I find my identity in you. And when I find that, I tap into your grace, enthusiasm comes, and there's no place for laziness. So the way to fight laziness is not, I'm just going to be not lazy tomorrow. It's just to find Jesus. And then laziness will evaporate. Enthusiasm will come. And you'll begin to love working hard uh, unto him. And you'll love to work hard because it bears fruit in our lives. Hard work produces, has produced a beautiful family and is producing a beautiful family. And, um, and I would encourage you guys and say, well done for not being lazy, um, but working hard and being enthusiastic about it. And I know we have our moments. We're human beings where we drift and we struggle and it's a battle. But on the whole, it's been so beautiful to see these values that are in Scripture, and we see them here in the New Testament in Romans 12, developing and having grown and having been a huge part of what we've seen in us as a family this year. So I want to bless you guys with those words. Let's keep going at it. Let's keep holding on to them, and um, we're going to see God do great stuff. Amen? Can we stand? See how we're doing for time. 10 past 11. Okay, this is the part where the bricks turn and face the other bricks in the building, and we all play our part, okay? So just close our eyes for a moment, and let's um, consider for a few seconds just the Lord's voice and His heart, and then we're going to do something of an activation. That's Mark, I'll just go ahead. If there's anything, just come and, come and whisper in my ear. So the Lord says to us in Romans, if your gift, verse 8, is to encourage others, then be encouraging. And I think that sometimes when we don't know what our gifts are, one of the first way, things to do is to just activate and be active and step out. And quite honestly, one of the easiest things to do is just to encourage someone else. Because we've all been encouraged, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't be in God's household. Because it takes someone to encourage us for us to be able to even be in a place of worship like this. So we can all encourage one another. So what we're going to do as our eyes close, just take a moment to think about the person next to you. And if you're in a group of three, it's not the end of the world if you go in a group of three. But try to pair up uh, lady with lady, guy with guy. Or if you're in a group of three, you can mix it up a bit. But try to look for a guy, try to look for a lady next to you. In pairs is the ideal scenario. But what we're going to do as we end, because I'll pray for us first, 
They will move into this time. But what would be really amazing, to just for a few seconds, you ask the Lord, we'll be still. Ask Him for a word of encouragement for that person next to you. It can be a word, it can be some, a scripture, it could be a song, it could be something prophetic that you're feeling. But the heart of it is, Lord, help me to encourage this person that is next to me or in front of me. And we do that for a few minutes. Do it as best as you can. Trust that the Lord is going to use you to encourage somebody else this morning. Can we do that? Okay, just, just give it a moment or a minute of quiet and just think on, think on the person next to you and just ask the Lord to drop in your spirit as he does. And then I'll pray for us. Yeah, Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would begin to whisper into every one of our hearts, just your voice, no other voice but yours, that your grace would flow now, men and women in this room, in your church, that your voice would flow, and that you'd give words of prophecy and encouragement, stir up the gifts and fan into flame what's already inside of us, that each of us may be encouraged greatly as we leave this morning. We thank you for the encouragement over us as a people. Now, I do pray as we end in pairs that there be something of a personal or individual encouragement that will come from this time. And I ask, Lord, that you would just move in this place. Just move in this place. Let your words flow, that your grace flow. And I pray, Lord, that as people are encouraged, as your people are encouraged, that it would bring great joy to your heart and glory to your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, you, you may go for it. Yanka will just strum away a little bit in the background, but we're going to end with that. So find your person and be encouraged. Amen. Yanka, you're going to be here.